Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And a warning that the following audio content may contain images of Aboriginal peoples and Torres Strait Islander peoples that have died. First up on the show, we'll be interviewing Narita Waite, a proud Yotta Yotta woman and CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, about a Victorian parliamentary inquiry which has called for an overhaul of the state's bail laws following its review of the state's criminal legal system. Narita has been at Vales for almost a decade and has a vast amount of experience as both a lawyer and social justice advocate. Later on the show, we'll continue our discussion with senior lawyers Monique Hurley and senior lawyer Amala Ramarathinam, uh, and this is also about the also fixing Victoria's bail laws and looking at the Victorian parliamentary inquiry. I actually invited Narita onto the show first up because I wanted to speak with her about how this is affecting First Nations people. We will also speak with David Glantz from the Refugee Action Collective about their media release, New Zealand Refugee Deal A Win, but Leaves So Many in Misery. Finally, we will speak with Paul Silver, nephew of David Gungai, who was tragically murdered in Long Bay Correctional Facility in December 2015. Yet another Aboriginal death in custody, and there have been many. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be speaking pretty soon with Narita. Um, but just to give a quick intro, the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, Human Rights Law Centre, Fitzroy Legal Service and Flat Out are calling on the Andrews Government not to kick this issue down the road any further and to urgently fix Victoria's bail laws. The Legal and Social Issues Committee found that Victoria's criminal legal system does not appropriately or fairly balance the maintenance of community safety with the presumption of innocence for people accused of an offence. So I've been quoting quite a lot from the media release, and that's actually quite important. So pretty soon we'll be speaking with Narita. Mohammed El Halabi has been held in an Israeli prison for almost six years, with still no verdict on the charges of diverting millions of dollars of World Vision and Australian aid money to terrorism, despite both the Australian government and World Vision finding no evidence of misused funds. For Palestinians, the Israeli justice system means closed courts, secret evidence, torture, and long delays. 
Join Amnesty, the Australian Palestine Advocacy Network, and Free Palestine Melbourne in a vigil to mark Muhammad's birthday and call for his release. The vigil will be held at 2 p.m. on Saturday, the 2nd of April at Federation Square. Stand up for justice for Muhammad El Halabi and for Palestine. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. You're back with the Doing Time Show, and I'd like to welcome Narita Waite to the program for the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Hello, Narita, welcome. Hello, thank you. It's lovely to have you. Now, you're a Yorta Yorta woman, aren't you? Is there any other aspects of country that I have missed? Uh, yeah, so I identify primarily as Yorta Yorta. Um, I follow the maternal line, um, but my grandfather um, is from Crown. Nanjiri man from South Australia. Thank you so much. Oh, I wanted to honour that as well. So, Narita, let's talk about what's going on with this broken bail reform. Or, well, we're hoping to, to reform the bail, aren't we? It's broken. Could you talk about the submission that, uh, and also the media release and, and discuss with us what's going on and how it's affecting First Nations people? Uh, of, of course, uh, not a problem. So, um, as you said, Victoria's bail laws um, are incredibly broken um, and we do need to urgently fix them. And what we've seen um, in terms of action from this government is just review after review after review. Um, so very little action, unfortunately, um, which means that these laws, as they stand now, um, disproportionately affecting First Nations communities, but particularly First Nations women um, and children who were subject to the same bail test as they were 18 years old, which many of our kids, particularly in the system, are as young as 10. Uh, so that's why we're pushing for this um, really hard and it has been for so long. This isn't new to us. Um, the committee report, um, so the parliamentary committee looking into the criminal justice system, actually um, were really clear that not only uh, did they hear from experts, including people with lived experience in the justice system, that the bail laws weren't working, but they need to be fixed and quite urgently. Um, unfortunately, we have seen um, a lot of the recommendations be watered down um, by the government and the opposition, but uh, importantly, the expert advice is still recorded in the report. Um, and the government needs to act on it. Uh, if you look at um, prison population right now as we speak, um, almost half of those are sitting there on remand. This means that they're in prison, even though they've not been found guilty of a crime. Many of those who are remanded will actually not serve a custodial sentence if convicted. So that time sitting on remand is time wasted. Um, it's time away from accessing requisite supports it's time away from community, human culture, um, and it's also just a very criminalising and trauma, traumatic experience. And, you know, the Royal Commission Territorial in Custody made it clear that governments need to increase access to bail, but the Andrews government, um, unfortunately, has gone back um, 30 years and done the opposite, and male bail was much, much harsher. Now, what we're asking for specifically in relation to bail is that we repeal the reverse onus provisions in the bail laws. Uh, we create a presumption in favour of bail for all offences with the onus on a prosecution to demonstrate that bail should not be granted due to there being a specific and immediate risk to the physical safety of another person 
or the person posing a demonstrable risk, flight risk. Inserting an explicit requirement in the bail laws that a person must not be remanded for an offence that is unlikely to result in a sentence of imprisonment and repealing the offences of committing an indictable offence while on bail, breaching bail conditions and failure to answer bail. Uh, you might think that number one and number two um, make sense, but maybe number three um, and four, um, unless you work in the system, probably uh, seem a bit odd. But what we're asking for there is that many of the people that we see, particularly sitting on remand, are there for very petty offences um, relating to poverty. So we're just saying for those, they're not going to get a sense of imprisonment. They shouldn't there be on, therefore be in remand. Um, and we see this particularly also with children who are escaping uh, very poor situations, often in state care, um, and committing offences along the way. We're also asking that when we're talking about breaching bail conditions and failure to answer bail, that those are repealed because often those who are breaching bail conditions and have a failure to answer bail actually are homeless and transient and have no ability to it, let alone the fact that COVID has cut down a lot of services. So all of these are evidence-based um, and incredibly important to creating a fair bail system. Absolutely, and I think what you're basically saying here is that bail should not be granted, you know, due there, to there being a specific and immediate risk to the physical safety of another person. Exactly. I mean, let's just get logical about bail law. Yeah. Um, let's not tie it um, into um, ridiculous circumstances that are unlikely to occur. Let's not, um, you know, play hyperbole with community safety when it's not required. What we need is just logical, sensible bail laws that work for the community um, and that work for the system. And this is what we're presenting. Absolutely. Would you Do you think it's important also to make sure that there's a requirement in the bail laws that a person must not be remanded for an offence that's unlikely to result in a sentence of imprisonment? Yes, so that was uh, what we've asked for in terms of inserting that explicit requirement. Um, I've been really clear um, around that in our submission to um, the committee, but also um, prior to that, um, our submissions into all of the previous inquiries and reviews that have occurred into bail. Now, the reason for that is that many of our people who are sitting on remand are sitting there for petty offending, um, most likely caused out of poverty um, and a lack of services. So we're just saying, again, let's get logical, let's fix this, um, and let's make sure that we're actually increasing community safety by connecting these people who need um, support services, who need access access to housing, um, access to training and employment, those opportunities rather than putting them in a cell where they'll have no access to any of that and in fact will just be criminalised and traumatised by that environment. And, you know, the Victorian government has said that it's going to commit and indeed the federal government also wants to commit to family violence. Well, isn't it fair to say that Aboriginal women, all women, but in particular Aboriginal women, are not only overrepresented, but by them, um, you know, not being granted bail, that's a real injustice, isn't it? Correct. And I think it's also important to remember that um, this type of focus um, on family violence, which is needed, um, but it has 
often turned into a way of actually criminalising victims of family violence rather than helping them. Um, and certainly in bail, this is what we see with many of our Aboriginal women um, who are sitting on remand for no good reason. Um, these are women who um, are suffering from family violence, who have been subjected to coercive control, um, who are mothers and carers and important you know, carriers of our culture um, and instead, rather than supporting them, we put them behind bars um, and expect that's a situation that's being resolved. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous and I really like the quote that you've put in the media release um, working with Flat Out and the Human Rights Law Centre where you said that the government opposition have shown that they are too timid to address urgently needed reforms of the justice system by watering down the recommendations of an impassive inquiry. Mm, they're certainly being cowards. inquiry, sorry. Yep. Yeah, I mean, their behaviour is cowardly. Um, they're not being brave here about system reform. They're not even being true to their policies of self-determination and um, what they're trying to replicate in Uruk um, as well um, as the First Peoples Assembly. All these things are supposed to be important reforms um, to help lift our community into a position that is fair and equitable. Um, but how can that be when uh, the government takes steps that they know will criminalise our communities further? Um, it just, it's, it's a cowardly way um, of trying to say, look over here, it's a bright, shiny thing, whilst, on the other hand, we're just going to lock these people up and uh, traumatise them and just create horrific acts against them um, as a way to say that we're doing something. Absolutely. And then you go on to say, and I really like what you said here, honestly, Narita, it's, it's good, where you say that in the media release that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are disproportionately affected by the injustices in the legal system. And you also say that the government needs to support self-determination by funding Aboriginal community-controlled organisations. Yeah, such as uh, so, vows, <laughs> correct. Yeah. Uh, the reason why we say this is because um, we're seeing extraordinary amounts committed to corrections and policing. I mean, on Christmas Day, Victoria Police got a gift um, of over $100 million for tasers. Um, just ridiculous. And yet corrections also receive um, huge amounts of money um, to imprison people, um, not to help them, but just to imprison them. That's not support services. Um, that's not addressing underlying needs. None of that work. Uh, mainstream legal services have continued to see funding increases each budget year, but poor house, which I can say because I run it, um, literally no funds. Um, we're lucky to get a million out of any of those budgets. And when I see need spike by 120% in any one given region, um, it's impossible to meet that need. Uh, we're seeing spikes of 450% in family law, child protection and family violence practices. Um, in criminal, um, in some areas, um, the base increase in that is 27%, but in areas like Mildura um, and Shepparton, those increases can be closer to 100 to 118%. Uh, without additional resources and without actually being funded to be in communities to bring services that work for, them, work for them because they design them, we're not going to be able to make sure that people are adequately represented, which is incredibly important in, in terms of the Bail Act because the Bail Act also does make reference um, in Section 33A 
around Aboriginal people and that section is not well known um, by lawyers outside my service and rarely used. Um, the courts understand it less, let alone the bail justices. So ensuring that every Aboriginal person has access to culturally safe legal services is important to making our system more fair. Um, it's not fair in its current format. It will never be fair. Um, all lawyers are simply able to do is try to mitigate the worst effects of it. Absolutely, and we need to also combat systemic racism. Look what happened to Auntie Tanya there. Well, Annie Tanya, but look, at, um, and that's just a horrible, horrible injustice when her uncle, Harrison Day, um, was one of the key cases utilised by Ricky Dick to say that public drunkenness should be decriminalised, and yet his niece died 30 years later um, of that same offence in the same circumstances that he did. That's just tragic. And look at Veronica Nelson. Um, was picked up for shoplifting, was remanded and died in custody. How is that fair? Um, look at all of our children um, who are removed from family, culture and kin, locked up in resi care or in out-of-home care placements um, and then start to be criminalised for a behaviour that you or I would discipline our children for. We wouldn't call the cops. We no. discipline them because that's what a parent does. Um, and then we you know, just engender this uh, response that the only way to deal with Aboriginal people um, is through the long arm of the law, which um, for me is heartbreaking and horrifying that, um, you know, I'm 35 this year um, and I feel like nothing much has changed. It's 1788 all over again in some ways. Narita, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It's been lovely to have you and I'm hoping to have you back very soon. Always lovely to speak to you. Have a wonderful afternoon. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. 20 Years on the Inside is an iconic new podcast series that gives voice to the experience of First Nations people in the Victorian prison system. 20 Years on the Inside. I'm Vicky Roach. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. This series reflects on 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcasts. 20 Years on the Inside is essential listening for anyone looking to educate themselves about the realities of life on the inside and the need to end Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander incarceration. Well, a lot of the boys mentioned about being in jail. What you do really isn't who you are. You know, it's how you love your family, it's how you care about your cousins, and it's how you care about your people. That's what that's what this is about for me. Catch the podcast via the 3CR website or on your favourite podcast app. In case you've just tuned in, this is 3CR Community Radio doing time show, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. It's approximately 4.19. We're running a little bit late. You just heard an interview with Narita um, Waits, who is from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, about the broken bail system and looking at how it's affected Aboriginal people. 
The Refugee Action Collective Vic welcomes news that the Australian Government has finally accepted New Zealand's offer to take 150 refugees a year. But it also warns that the deal will still leave hundreds of refugees and asylum seekers in the unnecessary misery of detention. The Human Rights Law Centre also warns refugee resettlement deal with New Zealand is a step in the right direction but fails to account for almost 1,000 people still affected by Australia's offshore detention policy. And of course, under the agreement, they have forgotten about Manus Island and a couple of other places, I believe. And on the line today, we have David Glantz from the Refugee Action Collective, who is going to tell us what's going on. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me again. Um, These are important issues. Well, the total number that uh, New Zealand will take under this deal is 450 people, 150 years for three years. And I think many refugees and many refugee supporters have really mixed feelings. On the one hand, this is a really significant victory over a hardline coalition government that has said they would never, never, never accept this deal if people going to New Zealand were able to come back to Australia in future years as tourists or students or what have you. And they've blinked. There are now no restrictions on the people who will go to New Zealand. They will not be barred from future visits Um, to Australia. And the fact that 450 people will be moved to uh, safety and the dignity of living in the community is really, really important. But as you quoted in your introduction, this only scratches the surface. The the most recent figures I've got hold of say there are 1,384 people who arrived, who have been held in offshore detention who are now somewhere in the system. Some are in Australia, some uh, are on Nauru, and some are in Papua New Guinea, mostly scattered around in Port Moresby. So even the full deal will only take about one-third of those people, and even then, over a space of three years. So while we've sort of given a bit of a cheer to the outcome, because it represents uh, the, the coalition government backing down, um, we've also kept, need to keep up the pressure to say that every single one of those refugees and asylum seekers, wherever they're being held, needs to be freed into the community and given uh, the right of permanent protection in Australia. So this is uh, a, you know, an important step along the way, but the campaign is far from over. Absolutely, Jane, and I am very sorry for being late as well. No, no worries. Um, but it's, we're, we're getting through because it is important to get through this work, isn't it? But it, it's interesting because it, it, there just doesn't seem to be any detail about what will happen to the more than 1,000 people still impacted by Australia's offshore processing policy. Very small numbers may end up going to the United States. There's still a trickle of refugees being taken under the deal with the United States. Um, small numbers may be sponsored to go to Canada. But beyond that, the reality is the majority of the eight or 900 people who are not covered by this deal, and that, specifically, that deal specifically excludes the people in Papua New Guinea, for instance, those people are still left with no option. 
So the fight for permanent protection for people who are offshore to be brought to Australia and given the opportunity to rebuild their lives with support and security here in Australia continues to be fought. And it's not even completely clear when this um, deal will start to kick in. I've seen reports that say that in New Zealand they're not actually quite sure how and when they can start to take refugees. So I think, like a lot of the announcements you get from the coalition, it's all razzle-dazzle and very little substance. Um, And I think, actually, that's what the coalition is setting out to do. I think they know they're under pressure, they stand a chance of losing seats against the um, inner-city independents um, who have made a refugee rights, one of, their, one of their focuses. And I think they're trying to neutralise the issue. It's very, very cynical stuff, but it's what we've all come to expect from the Morrison government. In saying that, I think it's worth pointing out that it's not the independent candidates themselves who have made the difference. It's the refugees themselves and then the broader refugee movement. There has been almost nine years of non-stop organising and resistance, whether it was on uh, uh, on Nauru, on Manus Island, elsewhere in Papua New Guinea, or here, at no point have the refugees stopped fighting for their own freedom. And so the, to the extent that the Liberals have backed down, to the extent that they feel it's a big enough issue that they have to try and neutralise it in some ways, in, at least in some of those um, uh, liberal, liberal electorates, I think it's a tribute to the refugees themselves and to, and to the movement. And no one is suggesting that we will stop until everyone is free and everyone is secure. So this, what's happening with the New Zealand deal, for example, is that going to be over three years, is it? That's 450 over three years, 150 years. How ridiculous. Years. How ridiculous. They're going to, to prioritise the people on the room. Um, some of the people on Nauru are going to the United States or maybe Canada. They're going to prioritise taking the remainder of people from Nauru. One of the reasons is it is phenomenally expensive to hold people as uh, essentially prisoners of the Australian government on Nauru. It's up to $4 million per person per year. So at least they'll, you know, from the government's point of view, by prioritising the rule, they'll, they'll save a bit of money in the short term. I think we can also expect to see our friends in the Park Hotel, the so-called hotel, the prison in Carlton. I think we can expect them and their, uh, and their counterparts around the country in the different detention centres and, um, uh, and, and so on. I think we can expect them to be in the first ranks of those who are freed. So that's only 51 people. Um, and so what you've got is a lot of people out of sight, out of mind in Papua New Guinea or living in Australia on, in community detention or on bridging visas who have got no permanency, no rights, no security uh, and will not be covered by this deal. Or the vast majority of them will not be covered by this deal. So one step forward, but definitely we haven't reached the finishing line. Absolutely. And in fact, it's very interesting in the media release, you know, that, that the, you guys have put out, that, well, sorry, the Refugee Action Collective has put out. You say that for nine years the Coalition has boasted of its t- toughness in locking up people fleeing for safety. Can you talk about how politically um, 
you know, the government is actually afraid of losing safe seats. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, something is sort of reading between the lines because, of course, um, the coalition government doesn't come out and say, we're going to lose a bunch of seats like Frydenberg's here in Melbourne and and others up and down the country, mostly in Melbourne and Sydney. So the leafy suburbs where they're traditionally they are liberal seats, but they're independent standing. They're often known as the voices of candidates. And they focus on a few key issues like government accountability, uh, climate, and, and, and so on. And to be honest, these people are not radical. No, nothing like it. Most of them are pretty middle class, pretty middle of the road, pretty much pro-business. But at least they're raising some issues of conscience. And they look like those, some of them, at least, are in with a reasonable shot of being elected um, yeah. in, in, in May. So I think the coalition is saying... OK, the refugee issue is playing big. Remember, we're talking about the Biloela issue, the Park Hotel issue. Those issues are playing big in the public mind. Um, we don't care what people in Labour seats think because they're not going to vote for us anyway. But in these seats, we're a bit nervous. And we will we'll give a little bit of ground in the hope that a big headline will con people into thinking that the issue is over. Um, and as I've said, it, it, it certainly isn't. Now, whether no. that's their full motivation, whether they're going to get what they want in terms of crawling back some votes, of course, we don't know, and we'll only see the results further down the track. But there's definitely an element of clearing the decks before the election. Some people have said it's also a way of spiking Labour, because it was pretty obvious that if Labour had won the election, they would have accepted the New Zealand deal. Whether they would have accepted a more generous version, we'll never know and that they would have got people out of the Park Hotel um, pretty much on, on day one. That's what they've said publicly, and obviously we would try and hold them to that promise. So some people Absolutely have said don't. perhaps it's the coalition uh, trying to you know, steal a march on, on the Labour Party. Either way, we're delighted that hundreds of our friends will go to safety, but we're frustrated that many hundreds more will either have to wait a long time or have no outcome in this deal? And the answer is so simple. Give everybody the right to live in the community, to work, to study, give them permanent protection. It's really such a simple proposition. At the same time, we've got the coalition government saying, oh, yes, poor Ukrainian refugees. And, of course, it's a terrible situation. But if we're going to give um, sympathy and support and safety to Ukrainian refugees, why not to the refugees already here? Why not to the Afghan refugees under the heel of the Taliban? So the government exactly. is very, very selective. And I, you have to assume it's because they've done some focus groups and they think they may actually save a few votes, a few votes out of this. Exactly, regardless of whether or not they arrive by boat. David, thank you so much for coming onto the program. Can you just give us the website for the Refugee Action Collective? Yes, it's uh, rack vic .org.au and uh, very quickly I'll just tell you, I'm, in the next few minutes I'm going to be heading up to the Mitre Detention Centre in Broadmeadows yes. where the Refugee Action Collective has a protest starting at 5.30 um, in defence of the so-called 501 people being deported or facing deportation on character grounds because tomorrow in the Senate the Coalition is going to try one more time 
to pass a really nasty piece of legislation that will make it even easier to deport non-citizens. And they are already deporting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people a year, in some cases for committing either no crime or very, very minor crime. So actually at 5.30 tonight, um, with Father Bob, the social justice warrior, with um, uh, Oggy Simic from the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, and with three of the men held in MITRE speaking to us by phone, we'll be protesting. So anybody who can get to Broadie by uh, 5.30, please come and join us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, David. That's a really important um, piece of information. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank Take you. care and stay safe. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR. Have you heard of long COVID? If you or someone you know have had COVID-19, you may still experience symptoms weeks or months later. There are many symptoms of long COVID, but the most frequent are extreme tiredness, shortness of breath, and muscle aches and joint pains. Anyone can experience long COVID, including children. You can find information in your language on the Health Translations website, healthtranslations.vic.gov.au. Just type long COVID as a keyword. A 3CR supporter. And this is Marissa bringing you, bringing you the Doing Time show at 3CR Community Radio Melbourne. We're going to be now continuing our discussion in regards to the broken bail laws in Victoria. We definitely need an overhaul of the state's bail laws following its review of the state's criminal legal system. And we were speaking earlier with Narita Waite from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service who spoke about Aboriginal people and how that's affected particularly women. Um, there, was an in- there has been a parliamentary inquiry and we did speak with Monique and Amala and I did fully introduce them at the beginning, senior lawyers from the Human Rights Law Center, and I believe we spoke to them last year and we're going to be continuing our discussion now. Hello to both of you. Hi, Marissa. Thank you for having us back. Welcome. Thank you, Marissa. OK, so who wants to start off? just to talk a little bit about background and, and what, um, what's been going on since we spoke last and, and talk maybe about the, the, new, the submission. Sure. So um, the Human Rights Law Centre made a submission to this the is Victorian Monique, Parliamentary... Is oh, yes, yeah, sorry, it is Monique. <laughs> You're gone. Um, so the, we are both senior lawyers at the Human Rights Law Centre and um, we made a submission to the Victorian Parliamentary Inquiry um, that you just were referencing um, and that inquiry handed down its report late last week uh, that made 100 recommendations for change of the state's criminal legal system in recognition of the fact that the current punitive approach to um, the system is not reducing crime or improving community safety. Part of the terms of reference for that inquiry included why um, the prison population and the population of people being detained in prisons on remand has skyrocketed in recent years. I think one of the most startling facts is that between 2010 and 2020, the number of people in Victorian prisons increased by 58%. And so the report from the inquiry covers 
it's a really wide-ranging examination of the criminal legal system in Victoria. It looked at it looked at a lot of things, including bail reform, parole reform, um, practices in prison that harm people, the need for oversight of places of detention, and youth justice reform. And for the purposes of today, um, we really focused on um, bail reform and the need for that to urgently happen because it's funneling way too many people into the prison system and that's um, causing a lot of harm to a lot of people and undermining this idea of community safety that we think that prisons help us achieve. And what about you, Amala? What, what are your thoughts on it? Um, yes, certainly. Um, I agree with everything that Monique has said. Um, the report um, was really good at highlighting all of these issues and how important it is to try and fix Victoria's broken bail laws as a matter of urgency, um, which is something that we've tried to highlight along with a number of organisations such as VALS and SLADAT and the Victoria Legal Service. Um, one of the things that we've tried to highlight is that our organisation, along with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organisations and other legal and advocacy groups, have been calling on the Andrews government to fix the state's bail laws um, for some period of time. And uh, the report um, and the inquiry certainly went into details about why that is so important to do at this stage. So, and just to add to what Amal yeah, was saying. Go on. Oh, sorry. Do you want me to jump in? No, 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 no. You, 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 I'm sure you're gonna you're gonna answer my question. I know you will. Go on. <laughs> okay, I can have a crack. Um, go I think that just in terms of what the report says, it made two findings um, that are particularly kind of pertinent around how the bail laws are operating. And one of those findings was that the current bail laws are impacting women and particularly Aboriginal women and women experience, experiencing poverty the most. And so this is resulting in the injustice of more women being denied bail, not because they pose a risk to the community, because they themselves are at risk, often of family violence, homelessness, economic disadvantage and mental illness. And then the other relevant finding was that the the current system is not appropriately or fairly balancing the maintenance of community safety with the presumption of innocence for people accused of an offence. And so they were the two, um, the findings that really stuck out to us on the need for bail reform, but then the inquiry ultimately recommended that there be a review of the bail laws, which for the reasons that Amala was just talking about, we don't think is sufficient given how um, how pressing this issue is and how much um, advocacy has been done by organisations over the years calling on the government to really urgently act to stop the really significant numbers of people um, being funnelled into prisons on remand. And one of the most um, staggering statistics, I think, is that we looked up the most recent available data from Corrections Victoria that they publish on their website. And as at February 2022, it was 50% of the women in Victorian prisons were currently unsentenced. And so that's well over half the women in prison are not sentenced for the alleged offending that they were arrested for. That's really concerning. Now, just looking at time frame, so this particular report that you and Amala have been talking about, is that the one that we were looking at last year? Or is it a new one? So this was, this has been a, an ongoing process where 
organisations were invited to make submissions and then give evidence before an inquiry and the that same inquiry just handed down their report last week that details oh. all of their findings and all of their recommendations. Okay, I get it now. So that's okay. So that we're looking. I'm looking now at the recent report because I've got two here in my fold, and I'm thinking, here it is. Now I've got it. <laughs> it's so confusing, isn't it? There's just so many different reports. So you've just talked. You two have just talked about the findings, um, the recent yeah. findings. If people, if listeners actually wanted to get access to these reports, where can they go? So the report of the inquiry is up on the um, Parliament of Victoria website. And so the, the full name of the inquiry is the Inquiry into Victoria's Criminal Justice System. And it was a piece of work done by the Legal and Social Issues Committee, which is part of, um, part of the Victorian Parliament. So if you Google that, that's where the full report will come up. I think it's just under a thousand pages and that's where all of the um, they go through a lot of the evidence from the inquiry that was given to them in submissions and through um, oral evidence a lot of organisations like ours and like the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service um, attended and gave evidence um, answering the inquiry's questions um, and I think on the whole um, the report from the inquiry canvases a lot of really important content in terms of identifying the drivers of mass imprisonment and unpacking what happens when people go into prison and they're subject to things like solitary confinement and routine strip searching that really undermines any rehabilitative purpose that we think that prisons might serve. But then the recommendations generally fall short of really calling on the Victorian government to act urgently to address that. So the Victorian government needs to stop putting so much money into prisons and police and start looking more at community? Absolutely, and I think your kind of... Um, your confusion about the review and where we're at is really part of the problem in terms of there seems to be a lot of willingness to review things and not necessarily a lot of follow-through action in terms of doing the things that we need to do to stop to stop people going into prison, to yeah, start building up community services and investing in that rather than spending a lot of money on prisons that we know don't work. Absolutely, and, and to be honest, the the inquiry, the reports look similar, and I'm thinking, look, this doesn't even look anything like anything new. <laughs> yes, and I think that that's... I don't know what Narita spoke to earlier, but I think that that's a shared feeling between us similar. and the organisations that we work with in this space, including including VALS, in terms of this is an issue yep. that's impacting a lot of women and a lot of Aboriginal women now, and we know that criminalising women has um, really significant impacts, not just for the women themselves, but for families and communities. And so why there isn't a really, you know, why there isn't a sense of urgency about trying to fix this issue as a matter of priority just speaks to a real lack of political bravery on this point. You know, Narita said exactly the same thing and you, you and Amala are joining your voices to hers and she spoke a lot about this and all about how it's a cowardly act and about how, you know, it's, it's, effect, it's impacted, um, 
you know, children as well as young as 10. Yes, it yeah. is, because, yeah, there's really regressive um, bail laws that also apply to children as young as 10 who can be locked up in prisons in Victoria and across the country um, at the moment, yeah. And Amana, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I mean, children as young as 10 are being locked in prisons right across the country and in Victoria as well, and... Um, being subjected to some really awful practices in there as well um, because of, you know, this thing around a, a very low age of criminal responsibility. Um, and the committee had heard extensive evidence that Victoria's low age of criminal responsibility um, is out of step with international standards and also with legal and medical consensus, um, which all agree that children under 14 shouldn't be exposed to the criminal legal system at all. Um, and while the Victorian government has been um, engaged in a process of considering um, the age of criminal responsibility through what used to be the Council of Attorneys General and is now the meeting of Attorneys General. Um, the committee has addressed this issue explicitly and they've made a recommendation that the Victorian government raise the minimum age of criminal responsibility and they thought that that age should be raised to 14. So that is a really good movement there and a really good direction from the committee who heard considerable evidence about this. Better than nothing, I suppose, but it is a step in the right direction. Um, yeah, look, it, and where to from here? We're running out of time, but where, where to from here, do you think? That's a really good question, and I think that it's really important to back the work that um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organisations like What Vowels are are doing in this space to try and um, prompt the Victorian government to act sooner rather than later because the bail laws are some of Australia's most dangerous and discriminatory laws that are really needlessly removing women from their families and funneling them into prisons to be warehoused on remand. There's an abundance of evidence that that's happening now and I don't think that the Andrews government can shy away from that. And I would, Narita probably um, flagged this, but I'd encourage listeners to support um, the petition that Bells has to fix the bail laws, which is up and running now. And I was just going to find the website for that, um, which is www.bals.org.au forward slash bail and then the hyphen petition and then another forward slash Amala Monique, thank you so much for coming onto the program. I put, uh, I had you, you two, go onto the same show as um, as Narita because I felt that we we need to have a very powerful show about all this. No, well, thank you so much for having us. I'm sorry I missed um, Narita, but I'll listen back when it's podcasted. Absolutely, I'll send you the link. Oh, thank all you right. so much, Narita. Any final comments? Yes, I'm here. I don't have anything else to add to that. Do you, Amala? No, other than sign Bowser's petition. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. and thank you so much for having us on. <laughs> Thanks a lot. OK, Thank have a good you. night. Thank you. Thank you, bye. Take care. 3CR Community Radio is dedicated to exploring the issues that affect our future. Because I think it is something we just need to be talking about. 
Tune in and listen up. You know, there's people, like you said, have been on casual for seven years. Well, it's supposed to be casual employment. People want full-time jobs. They don't want to be sitting there casual, not knowing they're going to get any any days, any leave or what's, whatsoever. Especially, you look at all the casuals in the, our industry at the moment, they're sitting home. You know, people want full-time employment and they, sh- they should be entitled to That's full-time right. employment. And look at all the people who were used and abused as casuals in the aged care sector and all the problems that are facing people now and all the deaths that are following. And the meatworks, a lot of that's casuals, labour hire, you know, we've got blokes travelling around, you know. We want full-time positions and, you know, that's... And people want it. We want to be full-time employed. You want them to have your Christmas holidays. You want to have time with your family. But when you're a casual, you get none of that. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Bowl is on now. The open air series returns from January to April with an exhilarating program of live performance. See some of the best homegrown and international acts on the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl stage. Share a picnic on the hill, take in a symphony at sunset or dance the night away to your favourite musicians. Explore the full program at artscentremelbourne.com.au. A 3CR supporter. have a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home well, drop them in at 3CR and put them in the books and boots bin books and boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional first nations communities and children across the country contact us at books and boots or go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au we love a good book show and it's approximately 4.50 and we've had quite a few guests on today, um, mainly speaking about the broken bail system um, and looking at a parliamentary Victorian inquiry. Now, unfortunately, we haven't been able to get on to Paul Silver, who has actually been harassed by the police. I'm not sure quite what's happened with Paul, but we've interviewed Paul before on this show. He's the nephew of David Dungo, and who died in custody and in 2015. Now, Paul is a passionate advocate of Aboriginal people, and he's had a lot of problems. He's been actually harassed by the police, and he was going to talk to us basically about what has happened there. And, and in fact, this does happen quite a lot with um, First Nations people, and people of colour, indeed, you know, expanded police powers have actually given 
um, police really the measures to be able to harass people, which actually causes systemic racism. And Paul is actually needing um, help with court costs. I believe that the police um, charged him something to do with, with uh, charging him for phone calls or over the phone. Um, they're horrific trumped-up charges and something does need to be done. Uh, his, his, um, his uncle, David, actually died in custody in 2015. We've looked at that quite extensively on the Do and Time show. He died in Long Bay Jail. Um, but we might talk to Paul next week or try to get some more coverage um, about him next week to have a look about what's happening there um, with his campaign. As I said, he's a passionate ad activist and and I believe he's he's been harassed by the police. Um, Jude, just wanted to thank our guests for coming onto the show. Thank you, um, first up, for Narita Waite, who is from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, and she spoke quite a lot about the parliamentary inquiry there. Um, in regards to the, the bail reform and the back, about the fact that this hasn't really gone far enough. Also wanted to thank um, David Glantz from the Refugee Action Collective, who is, as we speak, at a, a MITRE protest at Broadmeadows. Um, so if people are, are wanting to rock up there at 5.30, um, if possible, to, to join that protest. And, you know, I'm hoping that that um, people can rock up to that. So, yeah, we've talked quite a lot about um, this, this parliamentary inquiry and the Do and Time show will actually have quite a lot more extensive coverage. There really does need to be an overhaul of the Starts Bail Laws. And as I said, it's, it's quite apparent. This is all connected. I mean, even to say that there's been a staggering 57% of women in Victorian prisons who are unsentenced, and you know it really it really is a, a flies in the face of you know not looking at at family violence and and homelessness and poverty. Um, I think we'll just go into one more announcement and then we'll conclude the show. The Black Lives Matter movement is not going away here or overseas. It gives me hope seeing the numbers of people that turn out to these Invasion Day demonstrations in Melbourne. It gives me the understanding that we will win, folks. We will succeed! You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR. 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au. Hi, we're the Marindas, and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855am. The media in this country, we as Indigenous people know, have censored our right of telling the truth, and the truth is what this country is most fearful of, in particular Indigenous truths. 
until history is told by the vanquished lens, which is our people telling our story our way, and have the right to be able to incorporate that into a system of learning, well, people are always going to be denied that truth by deceit and lies. When you look at the type of psychological warfare and spiritual warfare that Aboriginal people are caught in, it's not just in the sense of military when they talk about weapons of mass destruction, but you're right, it's in terms of the media and the industry of media is a warfare against our people and so is religion, I believe, in the Western sense. They're, they're all weapons of mass destruction against our, our people. We need to keep Radical Voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. And you're back with the Doing Time Show. We're nearing the end of our show. It's approximately 446 and it's goodbye from Marissa. Stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time Show. And we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Blackfella, Whitefella, from the Rumpy Band. Bye and stay safe. Let's go.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.